sort of like how Martin Luther King or Martin Luther King Michael Jackson's kid's name is Blanket. Everyone knows Martin Luther King Jr.'s kid, Blanket. So sorry. Uh, well, welcome to the show. This is Fake Leather Jacket. Feels good. Feels good. Change the name. We changed a lot about our appearances, uh, our dispositions, just a better fit commercially in this space. Um, we felt that that was in everyone's best interests. So thanks for coming along right. with us. Um, you probably know by now my hair is blonde again. That's true. Uh, I figured out after a detailed study mapping yarn on my walls that the podcast was more popular when I was blonde. So, And I'm all about right. this life. We, we were also doing a lot of focus grouping and uh, people felt like this was something that, they, that was really important to them that made them feel comfortable and heard and seen. Yeah. That we've been at the forefront of uh, what's going on in uh, the country and the globe and the planet. That's correct. Um, as far as life, si- life, life signs, life. Uh, as far as li- signs. <laughs> as far as <laughs> life in this solar system, we've been at the forefront of most uh, free-thinking individuals leading the charge, and so today. We're going to talk about NFTs, for one thing, right. and we're also going to talk about Renegades, born in the USA, Jeep Renegades, everyone's favorite new podcast between P- President Barack Obama, President Bruce Springsteen. Um, this is, we just have gone further into not only being just like a, a parasitic culture vulture where we're just talking about stuff that's happened in the media and mostly talking about talking about it but now we're going to be talking about people talking about it uh we're just like siphoning the life force from what those guys are talking about now which is what everyone does on podcasts but at least but we're the only honest podcast about (laughs) it that's true um but but yeah i mean this like Part of the rebrand, as far as I understand, uh, is that we are now just a, a listen-along podcast. Now, like our whole, our entire podcast is about the Renegades podcast. Yeah, each of our episodes will sync up with their episodes, That's right? And you can just—it it might be a problem that they're done putting them out, but I think we can stretch it out. We can kind of like, yeah, like like make that gruel, like like thin the stew or like, like you know cut it with water or whatever and make it sort of last yeah i like that thin the stew is that something that, is that a that saying i think our, i just made that up that could be like our motto <laughs> our sales slogan thin the stew yeah and, i want to forget that i said that <laughs> uh yeah i mean and if you don't already have two bluetooth speakers at home uh, i don't know what's wrong with you go to amazon sign up for the free prime thing 
get one sent to your house. <laughs> if you think that the only the one is listening to you and figuring out how to navigate your your streams, your news feeds, your timelines, you need two at least. You, at least you need two, just so they stay more informed on like what your needs are as a consumer. Um, and then you can play our podcast alongside the Renegades podcast to help. It's exactly. like a yeah, it's like a director's cut type thing. Well, yeah, and like I've heard it. that when people put the Alexa in their home, they um, can't help but start peeing in bottles and shitting on their own front lawn, like yeah. the um, horribly overworked uh, Amazon employees have to, because if they don't, they won't meet their quotas. Yeah. And so we we all that's all that's the life that we all deserve, I guess. Hey, working at a, a fast paced high high energy tech environment what else can you expect (laughs) (laughs) oh man we should figure out a way to talk about that some other time though because there's just so much goofy shit that happened there um but today i'm already i'm already peeing in a bottle today as you know we're going to be talking about nfts uh renegades podcast uh, especially the episode they had talking about the american dream and wealth in our society uh before we get to that though we're going to play everyone's favorite um, game on fakeleatherjacketpodcast.com Max's music facts yeah well there's a there's a song for it but I guess we can just right, use well, that what I can't I can't announce it I guess you know, yeah. we can still do the song no, that sounds good um, do you want to explain what the rules of the game are there's going to be three headlines that you're going to tell me one of them is false I'm going to figure out which one it is that's the best I've ever described that game. That's yeah, very concise too. Thank you. Uh, okay. Uh, so, are you ready to go? I'm ready. The band Guar. I was gonna try to find a way to describe them. Horror rock? It's not horror rock. It's like uh, yeah, it's, it's novelty it's, it's like metal. Gimmick rock. Gimmick metal rock. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know it stands why for I had, God, what an awful racket. I wanted to edit this uh, headline <laughs> while I was saying it somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Guar launches uh, a new all-vegan Leather of the Gods erotic wear and accessories line. Leather of the Gods. Like uh, sexy uh, leather leather stuff. Okay. Um, next up, we have AFI team up with Smashing Pumpkins, uh, Billy Corgan, who co-wrote one of their new songs called Dulceria, uh, about okay. <laughs> about being in a candy shop, how you might, if you're in a candy shop for long enough, you might get stuck to the floor. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's the headline? That's that's the headline, and then that's those are the juicy bits. I'm giving you a little okay. bit of the headline and the juicy bits, okay? Right, right, right. Okay, the bits, I got it. Um, and recently, the Firefest viral tweet um of the cheese sandwich where mm-hmm. it's like uh you probably you know what picture i'm talking about where it's like just two pieces of cheese on like stale bread uh right. that viral tweet now sold for uh oh, how much money was it sold as an nft um for thousand i can't find it now thousands of dollars and uh it's for the guy that's selling it who made the viral tweet to pay for some of his medical expenses so he's trying to recoup uh, or not recoup. He's trying to cover some of his medical expenses with selling an NFT of his tweet. Right, but it's not the case that he like 
incurred those medical expenses as a result of having gone to Firefest. Oh, that would be I didn't read that far in, but that would be a, no, I that know. would be an interesting <laughs> twist. The dang. I don't know what cuz then that's just that's just money owed to him. But um yeah, true. Hmm. Uh, okay. This is a tough one. Yeah. They all they're all tough. Uh to your credit. Yeah, like how you tried to save my ego there at the last second. <laughs> Finally a tough one. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually that's saving my own self-respect because I always get them wrong. That's true. Fair enough. <laughs> so Yeah. I feel like you got um, it right. To be fair that Did you get it right? No last one else time? could do this. I did not. Okay. I don't remember. Um I don't think I've gotten one right. Yeah. In in many moons. Well, Let's see. I think. I think the Guar one is made up. I think that's. I think that's Max. Oh, you bastard! <gasps> did I get you it? Got it. Yeah. Now they did launch uh, their new line of cannabis and cannabis accessories called Bud of the Gods. Yes, that adds up. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm surprised. I tried to give you. I tried to. Uh, make it seem like i was reading a real headline i tried to uh i tried to really get sell you on that one and then the other ones i tried to make i was kind of trying to make it seem like i wasn't sure what i was talking about dang you got it great work thank you all for following me on this journey i'd just like to thank um god really yeah so sure bless blessings well and here's a little bit more about um, so just one of these songs on the new AFI album is co-written by Billy Corgan, but it is called Dulceria. <laughs> and that's, uh, wow. Yeah. The real thing is, uh, what's the quote? Davey Havoc said of the song, Dulceria suggests if you spend too much time in the candy store, you may end up stuck to the floor. Uh, the chorus that's word for word what he said <laughs> the chorus where havoc sings i love you more here on the floor uh it's just, so it's, seems just it's really strange right i don't know it's a song about loving snacks that's relatable i guess so that's just not something i would have imagined was going to happen like the billy corgan part no. in a song about candy uh it just seems bizarre I don't know. Yeah, I'm looking at the lyrics right now, and it it goes, "I'll take you to the candy shop. <laughs> I'll let you lick the lollipop." I think that's plagiarism. That's plagiarism. Wow. Um, exposed. So yeah, the Fire Festival tweet, which um has something to do with what we're going to talk about later, because it's being sold as an NFT. Um, let me see. Uh, he's. Are you having to look up what NFT stands for? <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out how much I'm selling the most iconic cheese sandwich on the blockchain <laughs> the, oh on the four year anniversary of the festival. Wow. How much did it go for? Well, Ja Rule, who was a, a partner in trying to throw Fire Festival, I think, sold an oil painting of the logo of the festival for $122,000. That's crazy. Wait, a um, painting, not an NFT. I don't know. No, he he sold an NFT of it. Wait, oh my or God. sold an oil painting. It is. It's not an NFT. See, this is why this is so confusing. <laughs> it's not. What? 
It also... My medical expenses for daily dialysis and my pending kidney, kidney transplant. So, yeah, this guy... Yeah, he's in stage. He's on dialysis. He's dealing with some kidney issues. And he's trying to sell his viral tweet because there should be some worth in that, right? I mean, look, it's, he's gaming the system. He's gaming the system, yeah. Who wouldn't do the same thing of, like, I, I'm the one that took a picture of this shitty sandwich. Right. And I also am dying. Please help. It's really sad. It's dark. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like, again, like, they were taken for a ride by by the Firefest throwers, the Firefest um, organizers. And uh, I would feel like I wanted to get something out of that, too. But, Absolutely. But, you know, I'm, if you have a following on social media, like then that can translate directly to money if you start to go fund me. Yeah. Like wasn't there something about um well Kendall Jenner or something like that? Like like her like makeup artist or something like that, like needed some kind of surgery and then oh, yeah. she like you, did you see this? And then she posted like a GoFundMe and then like it, within one day it had like, you know, made I don't know how many thousands of dollars uh toward her thing but then she got a lot of flack because people were like well why didn't you just i don't know give her some of your millions of dollars yeah like, i don't know if she's a billionaire well, i think because it was like a, and i could be totally wrong i think it was like you know less than ten thousand dollars or some you know some amount that to me and you is that's extreme and like unimaginable but for her it seems like that's just such a small chunk of Drop what you have <laughs> yeah like coming in weekly you know just throw some of it this way if you actually cared or like yeah it's just so bizarre can i read to you the um the flavor text for this nft that's of the fire festival sandwich thing uh, of what this guy wrote to try to sell it definitely so this is like his like pitch for selling the nft on that this website. is his pitch on Flipkick, okay. which is i guess the site where you sell the nfts mm-hmm. um the auction ends at on april 24th and it's estimated to sell for $80,000 right now. Pretty good. Um, and it's weird. It's like kind of like going into uh, an art exhibit where it says it has the guy's name at the top. And then it says Fire Festival Cheese Sandwich, colon, tweet, image, and copyright 2017. And then under that, it says tweet an iPhone photo, uh, <laughs> 2048 pixels by 2047 pixels. Oh my fucking uh, god! Yeah, they're tr- really trying to capture like that experience of like going into a an art auction. Yeah, like reading I guess. the wall plate. It's so strange. And then it says, uh, "Meme cultural touchstone cheese sandwich." <laughs> from an inauspicious dinner, photographer Trevor De Haas captured the most iconic image from 2017's most famous debacle, the Fire Festival. Mm. This is where it gets really good. So I just need you to. You know, if you don't have any tissues around, grab them. Okay. Two limp white slices of wheat bread lay like the lifeless body of Icarus, bemoaning the hubris of man. What? (laughs) A timeless image of inestimable cultural import sold now as a singular NFT. Wow. Wow. I wish there were... I wish there was some kind of like I was really waiting for a description of the cheese. I was like, damn, if if this bread is like Icarus, I wonder what the cheese is like. Yeah, I know, right? 
But yeah, she's like Sisyphus. Anyway, that I mean, that gives you a, an idea of what these things look like. I don't know. It, it's very strange. Um, right. And then I just wanted to mention Oops. before we cut to a break and get to the the meat of this episode, some of the the cooler things that Quar is offering. If you're interested in that, Ooh. yes. That I'm sure. Do they have a grinder that's shaped like a war axe? Oh yeah, they have a Butt of the Gods card. It's a card grinder, like the credit card size thing. Okay. Um, but their whole thing is it's Butt of the Gods, and they have like a little weed monster. <laughs> like it's a it's a bud, but it's got like teeth, and it's like I don't know, like foaming at the mouth. It's, okay. It's very strange. Um, <laughs> I'm looking this up. Oh no, you know what? It's just CBD. What? Okay. Bring inner peace yeah. to your inner scum dog with Quar's exclusive line of <laughs> CBD, but of the gods. As Blothar the Berserker says, it's not easy being an intergalactic warrior shaman and the leader of the most insane shock rock band in history. I found that after a long shock day rock. of bloodthirsty battle, nothing soothes my mind like the butt of the gods CBD. It is the perfect sacrament with which to wind down from a white hot berserker rage. <laughs> that's sick i don't know i it's kind of dumb feel, that it's feel your, just cbd but feel your petty human concerns melt away into the sweet nothingness you crave <laughs> just, just, yeah all right well yeah Damn, i mean like, like guar never really got over the death of their front man i guess i guess not i i was really hoping like, is it weird like do people actually smoke cbd because they're selling like cbd flour 100 oh, really yeah no it's it's actually more expensive because it's more difficult you know, like it's like a much like more difficult process to extract or to like isolate the cbd but but i i i, I understand this whole impulse because like you know like the materialist analysis of it might be that like people are just getting like you know millennials or whoever are just getting older and like, you know, are, are like, or, and then also have been what, like maybe exacerbated by this, by having been shut indoors for most of like a year and like, just like chooming way too hard. Um, but, but I think we can't like underestimate how much more powerful, how much more potent weed has become. It's like, people are like, you know, making like, I don't know what, what the percentage would be, but like 30% thc buds or whatever things that like if you like smoke like a tiny fragment of it will get you just blazed just stoned out of your gourd right. for like three hours and then just totally wrung out and it's just it's just not a sustainable way to be um but it but it, like of course people's tolerance goes up when the more of the stuff that they smoke but but there's like you're not actually getting more out of it and i think people must be realizing this that like the kind of effects that they really want is just like you know this was true of me when i was smoking a lot it's just like the ritual of the process and like i just want to be like smoking a thing and you know especially if you're hanging out with people like enjoying it with people but you know like you get really diminishing returns if you're just getting too high to be able to communicate and you're hanging out with your friend or whatever and you're both just like staring at your laps yeah <laughs> like you know sitting on the couch it's like not honestly just not that fun totally um, so I, I, I get the impulse, but it's, it's also just like a money thing. Cause like it, you can just sell it for more, I think. Well, I'll take your word for it because I, well, I've smoked weed. I've never inhaled, so I don't understand what the effects <laughs> would have been at all. Uh, <laughs> never felt those. And but yeah, I mean, how is it different than even the NFT type stuff? It's just trying to really 
further commercialize on whatever you can as a musician or creative type in a world where you're not really you can't really sell records anymore you're not gonna make right. money off streaming there's no touring right now you know and maybe in the right. foreseeable future that seems like people are, are making plans again uh we'll see what happens with that but yeah and that's what's gonna lead us into our discussion after the break enjoy the break don't touch that dial don't touch that dial I just got a really good idea okay. where you we do an episode where you review the different CBD and weed products that oh, people put yeah. out. Because like, someone else, I'm trying to think of who else put out like their own. I mean, so many people do. Like Wu-Tang has a bunch of uh, like CBD and weed stuff, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, I just I've been buying and drinking the new um, Travis Scott hard alcohol, hard seltzer called oh, cacti shit. what's that called Ooh, it's like i did not it's realize like he's just thing. further gone into this globalization of his uh of just like commercial products it's crazy right. uh but that cacti is good it's agave based uh and i just got it because I, I saw it at the store and i was like holy shit this sounds good yeah it was great yeah i mean i, I i'm familiar with cypress hill having their own brand where like i remember i, I saw it at like you know the the weed store where you can get like an eighth of their their weed and it comes in like a skull like a like a, a jar that's shaped like a skull and it's wearing a fedora um as the lid which is pretty awesome but also um bob marley like the marley family has their own line apparently willie nelson does yeah yeah um, that's i mean that's why it's oh my so god die antward holy shit dude die antward has their own fucking wow well, and that's it's called Zef Zefzol. <laughs> <laughs> we could do our own like beer Jesus. fest style episode where you're just smoking. Or I guess what was it called at the end of Beard Fest? Is it just Weed Fest? Like, but, uh, but I've yeah. done. I don't know. But I'm I'm just drinking like uh, E40s, like white Moscato, and having some Travis Scott hard seltzers. Oh my god! Sipping back on uh, what's. I think E40 has like a tequila too. There's so much shit Probably. out there. Yeah. Anyways, I, I, that's that would be great subject matter for like a live show, <laughs> which we're just, for like a live stream. We're just both getting more and more fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably like not allowed. It's probably like no. You're like I don't think not so. allowed to do that. But it would be funny to just go through and like talk about things we like about the branding on certain things because it is totally. That's just the reality of where we are. Where it like so many different uh if you're a musician or an artist or a celebrity you have to have these other endorsements too or don't have to have i guess i don't know well it's if you want if you want to like i mean i don't know if this is true for sure but like if, if you want to stay if you you know streaming is it's still like how people are measuring like even though it's like not measured like giving you like a good amount of like a the amount of money that you would need to like support yourself necessarily mm-hmm. if, unless you're like one of the top one percent of the top one percent or whatever of, of streaming artists it's still the way that like in like engagement with your music is measured or like like that success like people still kind of have that as like a measurement of their success right 
So it's still, it's like, I wonder how much of it is just like relying on that kind of branding to get people to, to direct people to your streams. Right. You know, I think that maybe uh, uh, the streams are like an afterthought and maybe like that's where um, that article I sent you on the NBC news written by the guy from the band airborne toxic event, which I, I have no idea what right. that band is. I already don't like yeah, it. Though. Yeah, yeah. I already dislike it. I have a lot well, of it's a, it's a Don it's a Don DeLillo reference, which I respect. Oh, is it really? Yeah, because it's from that's the Airborne Toxic event is from White Noise. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't put it together. All right, they're my favorite band now. But <laughs> I I know nothing about the the band. But I have um, plenty some issues with the stuff that he said, but a lot of it I, I agree with. You know, um, he was basically outlining that these. NFTs come along, you know, his outline of like the situation seems pretty apt of like uh, NFTs come along and it's at a time in the music industry where smaller bands and and groups of artists that aren't really making music to be mass produced, which is uh, the majority of people who are making music or playing music at all, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. aren't making stuff to be mass produced and maybe even aren't uh, pursuing a career uh, in terms of like trying to be financially held up by making music. But the majority of those people can't make any money. They don't have access to the numbers you would need in streams from Spotify to actually make any amount of money. And so the loss of like touring and being able to sell merch and stuff like that has been this huge hit on uh, so many smaller artists income, this, especially this last year. Um, and so that's how he kind of introduces the idea of like, and now everybody's obsessed with NFTs. But one of the things that he says in there, which is, uh, which there's a problem with, I think he says, and streaming is fine for most, for bigger artists, which is like, that's still not for them. You know, that's why right. for the longest time, like Taylor Swift held off on getting any of her music on Spotify. So many different people hold off on that. You know, that's why I think title exists because uh, Jay-Z wanted to give people this option to sign with a, a different service that would actually treat artists with some amount of respect. And I don't think their streaming really allocates that much money anyway. I think it's, Maybe not. Uh, it's not as bad, but I don't think it's really comparable to like what you would say is a, f- a fair share of the the money that comes in. But yeah, right. uh, what, what were your thoughts on what that guy was writing about NFTs? I mean, well, I, you know, I, I've like like gone out of my way to avoid thinking very much about NFTs because I just like <laughs> like really don't want it to. I, I I'm like skeptical of how much it actually matters at this point like i I, you know what i mean like i think it's kind of overblown yeah um but you know i don't know maybe that's what people were saying about streaming early on too you know but but it does seem like we're not going back from streaming like there's no yeah that's my impression is like short of like you know someone going domestic terrorist and like destroying the servers you know or like something like that it's like um like doing like a fight club type move and like bringing everybody's like liberating all the streams um it's not like you know and and the other thing is look i I don't want to go back like i don't want to have to like you know i have affection and nostalgia for like collecting cds or like tapes or records or whatever but people still collect records like that's not going to stop yeah it's just that most people aren't going to do that anymore now that we've we've tasted the delicious nectar of immediate 
music streaming. You know what I mean? It's like, like I, I know people who have been holding out for a long time who recently are like at the breaking point. They're like, I think I'm just going to start streaming because I just want to be listening to, I want to be like experiencing music with people again. And like, I don't get to like hang out with people and like listen to records and stuff. It's like, I just want to be able to like swap playlists and, um, you know, it's, it's anyway. So it just seems like we have to figure out a way to approach this question of streaming, um, in a different way. And it's like, I, um, listened to a podcast called, uh, the Brunigs where Matt Brunig and, and his wife, Elizabeth Brunig, um, talk about all different kinds of stuff, but there's one episode that's, I think it's behind a paywall. Otherwise I would have sent it to you, uh, where Matt Brunig, who's a, a policy wonk, and a real big booster and, and like an expert in the welfare state goes off on a rant about libraries and the artificial scarcity of streaming services when it comes to, he starts with, by talking about movies and like, there's all this like weird twisty path of libraries being kind of a exception to copyright law in a sense. Cause it's like, okay, well yeah, anyone can kind of like come in and check one of these books out or whatever, but it makes sense when it comes to books because uh, you know, the book is gone, the copy of the book is gone, and then you have to wait your turn to be able to get it. But they've put that same level of of scarce, false scarce, or now it's a, like a pseudo scarcity that they attach to movies, where there's like, there's only like five copies for some reason in the system at any given time, or like you can only have it out for X number of days or whatever, you know, but like, it's just a file. Right. It's just a file on some server somewhere. Um. So like, why, you know, why would there be this kind of like false scarcity attached to it? You can only have X number of things checked out at any given moment. Um, Cause it's, it's, it's like trying to like square this circle of intellectual property or copyright law. And his idea about streaming services is like kind of similar to his idea about everything, which is that it should be gov- subsidized by the government that the, the national, the, the federal government should throw down a bunch of money, buy all the songs and then, on some kind of like scale, like, you know, the more streams you get up to a cap, you get more money. But then after that cap, the the, re- the rest of the money generated by it goes back into the pool and everyone gets free streaming. Right. I mean, and, um, so, yeah. So and that's, I think, a lot of the problem with even uh, with Spotify, with iTunes, with all that stuff. It's everything's made as a, a customer facing product. And so at any point in time, it's only going to be able to make the the consumer uh or attract more consumers and, and make it easier for them to access and use and it never is it actually asking about like the content that is being sold or being like allocated to these websites which is created by the artists and the musicians themselves it's not really saying like we're trying to make it a better service like even in those uh, that article from 2011 of where spotify launched in the u.s the owner was saying like no, I mean, we're not music savior. Like, we're not here to do that. All we're trying to do is get people to stop pirating stuff. Like, we're right. losing too much money on people illegally downloading things. So we just want to make it easier for them to just stream it. And they won. Mm-hmm. Like, they figure that out, you know? Because people are like, well, why would I, like, illegally download when I can just, like, open this up and hit play? And even if I'm not paying for it, I can just listen to whatever. For the right. most part. Right. And, I mean, it just seems like it kind of mimics the kind of broader thing what we see going on with people just economically in general where it's like winner take all you know and like like that's that's the kind of the going model so 
what Spotify is and what the record in like I think to to be fair like what the record industry has always kind of been is is just that right maybe like to some to like a greater or lesser degree and it's I think it's like heightened by think you know what our current our current you know circumstances but it's always been the case that like when you win you win really big and everyone else can't really make a career out of it right and that's only gotten worse but like you're saying, or like Spotify was never intended to be a sustainable business model for anyone mm-hmm. except for like Taylor Swift or who, or like people. And it's, it's, it's kind of like, like Netflix too. It's like they're willing to shell out millions and millions of dollars. If your name is Martin Scorsese to like make like this passion project, it's like a three hour long movie with, with Al Pacino and Robert De Niro and all this kind of stuff. And like, it doesn't really ultimately matter if it makes any money because none of those Silicon Valley companies turn a profit. Yeah, um, exactly. Like the whole, the whole model is based on like eventually aiming to like be the, like the sole producer of, or the sole stream streaming service or whatever to like monopolize the market and to crowd everyone else out. Um, so it just seems like that, that you know, it, it's, there needs to be some kind of a structural change, uh, like a, a, like a change on this, on the structural level to be able to address that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, I don't know. And I guess like you're saying, and and like the, the airborne toxic event guys op-ed is pointing out is like, this is why there's, there's so much conversation and so much excitement around NFTs right now is because it just seems like, okay, well, if this is the only way that people can make money now, but again, it's, it's not any different. Yeah. Just like Silicon Valley, it's just a way for rich people to invest and to try to sell they're like you know nft of a cheese sandwich at a at a profit i don't I, I don't really understand like how these things are supposed to like appreciate in value right well it doesn't really make any goddamn sense to me and that's what i think uh i want to make clear is i don't want to understand the nfts i don't wish to gain a full understanding of what it means or how it works in the blockchain um none of that to me is really that important it's more like you know, he's talking about it in this article, like think of an NFT, uh, like a first edition of a book signed by the author or a print of a painting signed by the artist or a limited edition vinyl record signed by all the members of the band. And yeah, and that's it's so confusing to think about because it's it just exists digitally. And there's an authentication process that is somehow routed through a blockchain or something. like. That. I, I can wrap my head around that, I think. But at the end of the day, it's like, why does it matter? You know, if I take a screenshot of the fire festival cheese sandwich, am I then like, am I stolling, I'm stealing, uh, stealing intellectual property from this guy or, you know, right. and like, and like, why would I do that? Like, why would I, <laughs> if I was like, Max, I want you, to, I want you to see this rinky dink cheese sandwich, uh, that I made or that I had at the fire festival. This is my picture. <laughs> like right. it doesn't make any sense. There's no actual value. It's just artificially created so that we can further extend these intellectual property rights, uh, just as like it's umbrella of everything that exists digitally, like even tweets or, or whatever are now like intellectual property that can be bought and sold and can accumulate value. And it's no longer just like, you know anyone's games like it's, it's going to turn into like someone owning a meme at some point and then if, if you like try to rework their meme or do something with it is that going to be an intellectual property right uh conflict or something like that's... no i mean that that's the thing and that this is like what i again like 
I really don't want to like you, I don't want to understand this and I don't think it's that important. I don't really don't think it matters that much except to understand, you know, the kind of broader scope of like what blockchain is about and, and all this kind of stuff. So it's like, it's not intellectual property rights. Right. It's not copyright. Like that's the thing is that you can still continue to take screenshots of that same image and whatever and share them, but you don't own the one that has been officially like certified through this process. Um, it's, it's, I don't know. It's bizarre, but, but the whole thing with a like, blockchain and with, with NFTs is that it's, it's encrypted and no human can touch it. Like no yeah. human can like intervene in that kind of like complicated calculation that it's always making um, to, I don't know, keep those things like, like, like it's, it's, I don't know. Well, he says <laughs> like, no, dude, if you're, if you own it, you're able to transfer it, but you're never able to actually copy it. And I think that has something to do with actual like functions of the blockchain or, or how it's stored on the blockchain or something like that is, is that's, that's the authenticity of this item or this piece of property that exists digitally is that you're only able to transfer it. You can't copy it. It's, it exists in a, a tangible in a tangible way where there is sole ownership is like possible, you know, like that's feasible. But yeah, again, the question is like, why? And that's what uh, doesn't make any sense. But the, the other part of this that I feel like we, what we really want to talk about is the way that in the past couple of weeks, and, and we're definitely late in, in responding to this, the past couple of weeks, there's been that surge in like a craze for NFTs of like, oh my God, look at what kings of leon are doing they're selling an nft of their new album uh which i guess would just be like a a special edition and you would get front row seats to like a future concert and and you get to meet the band or something like that right but it's like they could have just sold that anyway but it's it's like just jumping on the craze the, the most recent like technological craze that doesn't change anything structurally or fundamentally about anything in the music industry so it doesn't really create any sort of equity although they want to make it because there's like this technology component they want to make it seem like there is this objective like uh equal footing that everyone's on like well it's the internet (laughs) like you can just sell whatever you want and then the forces of the internet the mysterious forces of the blockchain decide how much value to add to what you're doing or how much like uh or what what kind of value to assign in, in amounts of bitcoin or dollars and that's just not the case. That's not how it works. Like, obviously, someone with more uh, wealth and weight culturally is going to make so much more money, whereas someone who's a smaller artist who could use something like an opportunity like what the NFT seems to be portrayed as, you know, to sell, like, a special edition of something or to, like, I don't know, take back ownership of something that otherwise has to be streamed uh, ubiquitously. Uh, they don't have the same kind of footing to, like, posture in the same way that kings of leon has or or, you know what i mean they don't get to to sell an nft for that much for millions of dollars or whatever well i mean that's the thing it's like it's artificial scarcity yeah and like you know the whole like supposed like you know utopian vision of the internet and of of digital platforms and all this kind of stuff is that it makes everything more accessible 
um, and more like democratically open or, or whatever, whatever. Um, but of course, as soon as it became like lucrative or, or like like a financially uh, a way to make money, then you know, bit like corporate interests step in. People who are are trying to elbow out competition um, and carve their their spot and and like create a reason for people to have to pay for this kind of stuff. Um, that's what's going to happen. So, but 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 I mean, my understanding is that it's again it's like there there is no at no point is there any kind of like real real value being created there and that's the whole point and and that's that's true of kind of like a like elon musk who like at one point was the richest guy in the world might still be the richest guy in the world who makes nothing of any real value. Like I see, I happen to see a lot of Teslas because I'm, you know, living in Northern California where it's like, it's like, yeah, I don't know how many you see where you are, but it's like, the, there's, there's a ton of Teslas oh, yeah. around all the time, but, but that's a skewed, you know, it's like we're in a very weird pocket of the of the country where like the vast majority of people don't see Teslas, don't drive Teslas. Um, and what you actually see when, like when I see, whenever I see it, like come up in, um, on the news or whatever, it's like another Tesla, blew up in someone's you know uh driveway another tesla crashed on the highway because it was like on autopilot or whatever and like they don't it doesn't work like they're they're shit luxury products um and the only reason that you know and he'll make like a rocket ship that explodes or whatever and like the only reason that he continues to make money is because he's able to convince rich investors yeah that like this is a this is a place where you can reliably put your money and it will become more valuable because i'm going to continue to get rubes like you to invest in it yeah and like that's the only reason why it is a is a good investment to anybody but that's the whole point it's all about investment mm -hmm. at no point is it about and it's even weirder than like buying fine art because you can't like hang it up on your wall or whatever it's just it's just it's all like in the screen and you kind of like you know i don't know trying to fucking play the stocks it's it's just another yeah. game. It's another yeah. It's artificial scarcity for an artificial product or experience or, or like token or whatever. You know, it's just yeah. It's very strange. It's just you know, if you came over to my house and I said, I've got this new record out from uh, I don't know from Grimes. <laughs> I just bought I just bought a song from Grimes on the blockchain, but I can't let you see it. You'd have to pay me you know a million dollars first it's just like what's the fucking point it's just throwing well, money at this like insane scheme like like going to mars or, or any anything else elon musk does outside of making shitty cars uh right when but there's that thing, all this other shit going on that you know could use any percentage of that money right but it's just i don't know i mean we should probably move on but that that's just as my understanding is that's not how it's ever intended to make money. It's not like a, you need to pay me. Like it's not intellectual property and it's not copyright. It's not like you have to pay, like pay me for the right to listen to this. It's just, it's you have a string of code that says that you have the original. Right. And you are the owner of the original. That's it. It's like, if you, it's like, that's the whole thing. The records at the record store that are like way high up on the shelf and are like, whatever amount of grams of vinyl and right that's why this guy like talks about like first edition like a signed first edition yeah 
as his example yeah or whatever is is uh, or first printing or whatever first pressing of a record or something like that is it's it's a collector's item but at no point you know it's, it's not like there's like it's like you know gonna be a quirk in the recording or anything like that it's just like you get like yeah like a vip ticket and you get like an exclusive like like that's the stuff that grimes is selling or like weird yeah. music videos and like digital art and stuff it's not actually the songs i think as we get to the end of this topic i'm going to keep trying to get further away from what it actually is okay. it's, it's like <laughs> it's like pokemon go okay i'm listening all right you I, was, my attention. I was hoping you were gonna refute that but oh i don't know <laughs> Well, it's just a, I, it's just I wanted a, to see where that was going to go. <laughs> I don't really know how that works either. It's like Pokemon Go in that I don't really know how that works. Oh, that's but fair. it seemed very yeah. exciting for a few minutes or weeks. And then I just got really frustrated with it for no reason because I don't I don't want to have anything to do with it. I don't understand it. Uh, but there seem to be a lot of dorks out there who do. And they seem to be yeah, having a lot of fun, yeah. and I just don't like when other people have fun. Yeah, I'm just like, you know, I already feel like I'm distracted enough um, without seeing like a Togepi, you know, walking around mm. on uh, you know on the sidewalk. And it's like, like, I'm already like checking my phone constantly. I don't need to also be getting uh, like notifications that there's like a Charmander um, nearby and be like, oh, hang on, like hold that thought to like the person that I just like, you know, ran into from high school or whatever. And like, now I'm like, hang on, I got to go catch this book, you know? Um, it's just, yeah, we don't, we don't need to double down on this stuff. It sucks. Exactly. It sucks folks. And for our sponsor today, uh, flip kick, the best way to sell NFTs <laughs> on the internet. Uh, That's right. If anyone out there can We're, figure out how to turn our podcast or any, uh, I guess, element of it into an NFT, uh, we're willing to do that and would love to would love to experience that journey with you. I'm pretty sure it costs a couple thousand dollars to just like get it up there. You have to like Jesus convert your money into Ethereum uh, or whatever into Ether, Ether bucks into Ether or something into like just that. Ether. <laughs> That's literally what it's called. Your money needs I to think. become ethereal just like your body. Download yourself into the into the USB hard drive. Right. So, but but I guess you know the first move we could make is to set, to make some NFTs of the exclusive VIP. How I hear it, COVID um, cruise. Yeah. Um, well, that that might be the place to start. And the cruise is ongoing. They they won't know until they reach shore. There's no Wi-Fi aboard, so. <laughs> They That's won't right. they're, know they're about actually, the name change of the podcast until they until they find a new port. They've been trapped in a whirlpool going in circles for about six months now, and they're very, running low on supplies. Running very but, low. Um, yeah, <laughs> we, we can we can get you like like you know to like parachute in. We can drop you off uh, via plane, so you can uh, That's en- a enjoy cool that experience. exclusive you don't experience. Have to, yeah. If you have you ever wanted to go on a cruise ship, but you don't actually want the experience. But it takes like it has to take hours for the ship to get going, right? Yeah, yeah. You have to wait for the captain to like break the bottle of uh, sparkling wine on the on the bow on the bow. Yeah, on the bow on the bow. Yeah, 
takes very long. It as takes a long as, time. You, let's yeah. drop you off on a ship that's already moving, and it's only moving. It's just moving in circles. <laughs> that's right. So this is huge. You don't have to actually travel at sea. Yeah. Okay. Correct. <laughs> All right. Well, I I am glad that we had that conversation because now I feel like I know less about NFTs than I did. I know, me too. When we started talking, I I don't know. I think that's. I just wanted to talk about how frustrating the the whole thing is. That's what's important to me, not anything tangible about what's going on in the world, but under trying to understand my own fears and my inner turmoil, my brain, my brain tor- turmoil. Well, and I guess maybe just to like close it out, like the thing that uh, let me just let's just get the name of this guy, Michael Jolet, Jolet, Michael Jolet, um, the guy from Airborne Toxic Event who wrote this op-ed closes it out by saying um that this might be the future like he says nfts are not the only solution they may finally offer a way forward and away from the existing industrial business model um and but what he doesn't say is that like and toward like total venture capitalism yeah like like 100 percent like finance it's like a future for who i yeah i don't understand what it is well it's a, it's a future where everything there's no realm of society or culture that is not simply an investment opportunity mm-hmm. everything is just a, a place for people to gamble with their money sure um yeah there's no, nothing is sacred nothing is uh art nothing is about you know beauty it's all about your the bottom line yeah um that's really what, it, what this what this is all about yeah as the social structure and economic structure of our society gets more and more depraved in its uh slow burn collapse that's just everything it's there's no high risk thing to bet on because all you have is the shit to bet on just keep making except for keep making your only fans keep turning every tweet into a nft it's all out there apparently apparently kamala harris said that uh there's like the water wars will be starting soon. Did you hear this? That's those that on her OnlyFans. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the water. I mean, she, she declared. I just is that a real headline? Vice yes. President Kamala Harris declares the water wars to be starting soon because that just sounds like from Waterworld or. This is Mad what Max. it says. I'm looking at. Uh, CBS SF Bay Area. An article, the headline is, Vice President Kamala Harris warns of looming wars fought over water. And this isn't just uh, her partner Doug and the neighbor kids fighting in a squirt gun match? No, this is, um, she's saying that I'm sorry you know, to, we're all going to be... Sorry, sorry to downplay. <laughs> I mean, she's probably right. So, I don't know. Sorry to Doug. Kudos. Yeah, I'm um, so sorry, Doug. Kudos to her for saying that that's a, a thing. I don't know. I think she's been getting like kind of uh, clowned on for this because it's just like, like, dude, like, well, okay, you know, but meanwhile, like, couldn't you just like do anything about like the kind of vast uh, immiseration and inequality in our country? Like, you know, like, like, why, why are you talking about the imp- impending water wars? It's just like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's. Uh, hilarious i don't know i feel like that that's the energy i want from anyone but that, that was there's the water wars are coming 
you know, grab your your spears and scythes and your splash paddles. Well, and that was the end of uh, The Big Short, the movie The Big Short, where Christian Bale's character, who's like the investment whiz, who like sees everything coming you right. know, 10 years before it happens, he ends by saying, now he's investing in water. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, what, another, what a great NFT is, just the concept of water. <laughs> yeah, you don't own any rights to any actual water, and so you just, <laughs> no one it's can, just like yeah. there's just like a skeleton that's like lo- on its laptop that's like I own the concept of water. <laughs> I'm so thirsty. <laughs> oh man, I love it. Um, All right. Well, and then the other thing we wanted to talk about is I speaking of perversion. Wow. Um, the. <laughs> latest episodes of i guess not latest i don't know i just took i had to take a break from the renegades it's, i finished it man i finished it actually I, don't, I didn't finish it. i didn't listen to the whole last one i just had to take a break and i and let me get this straight the fatherhood me, one almost broke me let me be honest with you i have about eight un like un uh what am i trying to say un i have eight un- children <laughs> who don't get any food or water i have eight hours five days a week where i am literally just by myself in an empty warehouse not an empty warehouse in a warehouse where i'm just listening to podcasts and and music sometimes but honestly if i listen to too much music in a day it just feels extremely lonely so just Mm. listening to people talk is uh, a great way to balance it all out as i'm just like uh touching my cold hands onto cold uh, boxes. <laughs> touching my cold hands. <laughs> um, and it's really not that bad. Uh, but I just listen to podcasts all day, and I, I honestly couldn't get through much more of the Renegade stuff. Be- and it's a lot of the the articles that you sent me and, and some of the other stuff I've been reading about what people are thinking about those two doing their podcast of this, like, that initial f- foundational argument for their existence being here's a conversation between both sides of the country finally or you know like that's kind of what they're trying to portray it as as though they don't have that much in common uh that they're like trying to meet in the middle you know this is kind of the branding that both of them are trying to have and so is the democratic party at this point in time just trying to unify a very segmented and like i don't i mean a time of a lot of chaos and intensity and division but that they have so much more in common with one another. They're both extremely wealthy elites who have like influenced culture time and time again and, and not only culture but have like been at the helm of social control before. Right. And I mean we talked about it last time, uh when we also were talking about Pavarotti. But uh yeah, I mean the more I listen to that it's just it's really wild to hear some of the the weird the ways that they are trying to juxtaposition their views into that framework. Like in this wealth episode, it starts off they're like, "Back in my day, uh, you know, we didn't need that much stuff. We just had a we just had a tiny, a scruffy looking apartment, and we had enough to eat. We had clothes on our backs, and that was fine. But these days, people just buy so much stuff and." That's what I just, I just don't understand. Everybody wants to be a millionaire and have all this stuff. Like, what's what's going on? And it's, yeah, it's, yeah. And it's very like easy to say, like, okay, boomer, you know, like that kind of thing. But it's just right. so bizarre because these are two of the most 
maybe not the wealthiest, but in like the top 5% of the entire globe. Sure. Right. Right. And like at one point they're kind of like, Oh, this is, this is pretty bad. We sound like uh, a couple of old guys talking about how I used to, you know, walk 10 miles in the snow (laughs) to get to school. And then, and, and yeah. And uh, Bruce is like, Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. But, but again, like, and then they move on because the entirety of the of the whole podcast is just that. Yeah. Um. And that's that's supposed to be like what you're coming to it for. But, but yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. Like, I think this episode, to me, does tease out certain wa- like ways that they are actually different from each other. Yeah. Even even though, um, ultimately, it's like yeah, like you know, it's it's no huge reach for two extremely wealthy, um guys of standing in, in in you know the u.s to like get together in on bruce springsteen's like you know whatever multi-million dollar ranch and like go for a ride in his souped up convertible or whatever sure um but it, it's weird because it seems like um springsteen is really trying to in a in a it sounds like he's trying to minimize how poor he was um, in, in a sense, but, but he kind of, but there's a little bit of wiggle there because um, he does say, well, you know, our apartments were really funky. Like, like yeah. there's all these ways that I think he's saying like, actually he does have some kind of origin in a real experience of being, you know, a member of the working poor. So yeah. he distinguishes himself from, like abject poverty, like homelessness and stuff that we see a lot more of now, which is, which is totally true. Um, and that maybe there was less of that in freehold, but that doesn't mean like he says that his family was living hand to mouth, right? They were living paycheck to paycheck, yeah. which is the experience of, of most Americans today for sure. Um, you know, so it just, it just seems like, um, throughout the conversation, Springsteen, has a kind of core humanity and a sense of values that that for whatever reason is like hard for Obama to understand. I don't know if you picked up on this, but like there's multiple times where like, you know, uh, Bruce Springsteen is explaining his like imposter syndrome of like when he started to finally make some money mm-hmm. and he was like, then I went out and bought myself like a $10,000, you know, um, uh, what the hell kind of car was it? I don't know. I don't know anything about cars. It's fine. Some kind of a sports car. Uh, oh, a Camaro. He got a Camaro, so not a sports car. And he says, like, when he started driving it, like, I think it was a Camaro. Anyway, uh, he, he felt like it was like a gold-plated Rolls Royce, and he felt so deeply embarrassed. And Obama's like, oh, because it conflicted with your public persona and, like, your audience that you're trying to fleece, you know? And he's like, well... I mean, it's conflicted with my sense of who I am. Yeah, right. And like what my values are. And Obama's like, weird. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that, that's like, the like really the, scary part. Is that like, like Obama recognizes yeah. like, yeah, that's you have to like dress and act a certain way because that's who you're. That's who you're trying to get support from, you know? Right. And and like his like the only like mention of his like any kind of hardship that his family might have had while he was growing up was the fact that he like lived with his grandparents who had a small apartment. Like, I think that was the only real thing, but like, meanwhile, you know, um, yeah, go ahead. Well, and I mean, it's not in the same episode, but also like, you know, growing up, not knowing his father, like there's, it's not like he's, 
didn't experience something about an authentic life or like, you know, you know, of, uh, or experience some amount, some level of trauma, but the, the, it's not that poverty was necessarily a part of it, you know? Well, that's the thing. Like, yeah. well, okay, so what was the actual economic hardship? He says, you know, I think the one thing, well, I mean, there's a few times where he's, he's talking about like meeting up with Michelle and her friends who are Wall Street guys, Wall Street guys. And he's trying to say like, he didn't really care for these guys because they just, they had their Rolexes and their nice suits and all this stuff. Uh, and, you know, decades later, he would obviously just bail all of these guys out of one of the worst financial crises to, to happen during his presidency or any in the last 50 years. But he didn't really like the way they dressed. <laughs> they kind of like that rubbed in the wrong way. And he was like talking about how I think he said he had like just like a used suit and felt sort of dorky because of it. Uh, but again, it's like he is just really seeing the the visible patterns of what wealth means and kind of in only talking about that is hiding all of the stuff that's underneath of like, well, that's great. If you like, you know, you didn't feel like you needed, you wanted to dress that way. I guess you weren't right. uh, in your practice of neoliberal economics and consumerism. You weren't really drawn to like that particular aesthetic choice, you know, which is like, I don't know. There's something there, but it's also like he talks about how his apartments, he'd have like, furniture he found on the street or from like third hand stores or whatever and like but what's like what's never clear is that that was by necessity yeah i think you know so so whether or not it like you know we can't go back into time and like you know by his own if you if you believe his kind of narrative which he's practiced many many times since you know running for office uh and, and like being like a senator and then president He's, like, rehearsed it so many times that it means a certain thing now. So we can't go back in time or, like, know his heart and soul, you know. But it's because the examples that he saw as a, you know, young black guy to, like, what what it looked like to be successful was to be, like, John Lewis, to be, like, Mm -hmm. Martin Luther King, to be, like, someone who takes civil rights or human rights or justice really seriously. And, like, that, you know, and, and I think there's something really admirable about that admirable rather um but it's just not totally clear i mean yeah and like but it's the the the, his whole arc still is an arc about grinding yeah right and it totally fits into like okay well i you know i did something that you know, all and everyone that knew me said was a dumb idea, which is I was going to be a community organizer and it didn't make sense to anybody because everyone else is like focused on making money. But his path was still has still, you know, in hindsight was one where you don't become the president uh, by any other like through any other path except for, you know, you have to really want it. Yeah, right? Right. you have you have to be He's he's always been a striver. Is this is the impression that you get when you like go through his like when he's like going through his life history and whatever? Is he always wanted to be an important person? And ultimately, you don't get there by ha- by having like a lot of humility, you know? Right. Like like you, you know, which is kind of what comes across at least in Bruce Springsteen's story. And maybe he's just like way better at, or not way better, but like that's the story that he's practiced telling, um, and that like you know is one where he feels like he doesn't belong and he doesn't deserve nice things and all this kind of stuff. And like, you know, 
I guess we can kind of like debate how true, how authentic that actually is. But his art, Bruce Springsteen's art, speaks for itself from my perspective, which is that it gives voice to this experience of being hopeless, of being helpless, of being, you know, um, exploited, of, you know, like, which speaks to the kind of broad swath of Americans for a variety of reasons, you know, whether it's like kind of like wealthier people who are like, yeah, like I love born in the USA, you know what I mean? Like, um, and like, they don't really like pay close attention to like what the lyrics are really saying or like, you know, most Americans who feel like they haven't gotten what they deserve, which is like some like basic stability in their lives or like, you know, uh, so I don't know. Yeah. And well, the um that's what would have been the more interesting story is like exploring bruce's humility you know the point where he says uh in 1980 i think he just finally started making money again because he made all these really bad deals when he was younger and there's some of that stuff that i've read about that uh you know but it would have been so much more interesting to hear bruce say like i was an idiot and i saw dollar signs on a piece of paper and not having come from money or knowing anything, I said, yeah, uh, sign me up. Like, yes, please. And he made a bunch of bad deals. You know, that's what right. would have been way more interesting to think about is like the experiencing the experience of having come from some level of poverty and uh, coming into money, but then being fleeced or being like sort of, uh, you know, someone saw him as like a wide-eyed, uh, like goofy kid who could sing and was like, well, I'll fucking send this rube down the line like get him on a contract and um right you know and also on the same level like the humility of barack obama having not experienced like a a level of poverty like that but looking to people like john lewis uh and and obviously encountering poverty in his community organizing talking about like what it would the struggle of coming from a place and trying to understand another place you know that's what would have been a more honest conversation that would have been like everything progressive and, and unifying and that they're trying to do with this. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, totally. And there, I don't know. There's, there's so many, it's like hard to disentangle. Like, like think I've, I've listened to that episode twice now. Um, it all just kind of melts into everything else that, that happens in the episode. But, um, like one thing that stands out is again, just how, how much like Bruce Springsteen just is kind of just a simple guy who became extremely wealthy. And like, again, like, you know, I don't know how practiced of an affect this is or what, but, um, you know, there's multiple times where he's like, yeah, I just realized that I was, um, uh, what was the word that he used? Um, like he was trying to say inextricably linked to my community or something like that. But he said like mm. indefinitely or something like that. Like, like there's all these times where he kind of like misspeaks or like, he was like, yeah. yeah and that, that, and then when the touring became really, and then Obama's like lucrative, you know, <laughs> he's like coming in with like the, you know, like yeah. the multi- multiple syllable words. Right. Um, you can just see that like th- they have this kind of like different um approach to thinking about what matters that there's like there's this way that even being a community organizer and all this kind of stuff like to at some point for obama became like filling out his resume yeah 
Wait. And like doing every like appearing to be someone who was on the side of working people or of the black community or something like that. And then everything that he's done since then has kind of flown in the face of has like been to, you know, pull out the rug from under out from under everyone who believed that like he was actually on their side and that he was going to be meaningfully different from, you know, any other president. Right. And and that he's in somehow in his politics and his in his presidency, he was somehow in opposition to like the Wall Street type guys or like the right. idea of like accumulating these vast amounts of wealth, you know, when it's just not like factually not the case that at all. And he, right, he says right. to Bruce at some point, he's like, there was, you know, there was all these chances. I could have gone the whole different direction. I would have made a lot of money, but I, I chose to be down here with you guys and uh, help out. And it's like, oh man, get off the cross, please. Like, right. It's like, oh man, it must be so hard to be, uh, you know, a, like a TV show producer on Netflix or whatever now, mm-hmm. you know, and like, um, and like, putting out his books and and whatever other bullshit but but yeah i mean like there's a way that like the songs that bruce springsteen performs on that episode in particular just like are at a in a weird contradiction to the everything that they're saying because you know he starts with atlantic city which is about you know like 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 a guy having debts that no honest man can pay like just being stuck in a completely dead-end situation where it's not not only is the um, you know, are you like sold out to the mob, right? And like the mafia basically is like using like playing you as a pawn. Like, not only is it like about like gangsterism in the streets, but also like the local government is totally sold out as well. Like, there's no help coming from anywhere, and so you just like you know sell the last whatever that you you know the last like you pawn the last shit that you have to buy a couple of tickets to just get out of town. Yeah. But then of course it ends with him being like. Hey, I'm gonna do another favor for for the mafia guy. Like, sh- I'm sorry, you know, I'm probably I'm probably gonna be dead. Like, like you know, I'm probably gonna be like sleeping with the fishes. You know what I mean? Um, so how do they square that with, like, you know, that was like came out in the '80s, and like 30, 40 years later, Obama is kind of rising up through the ranks uh, in in politics, becomes president and what changes nothing you know what i mean it's it's like you know at one point they're like it's almost like the 50s and 60s were kind of like a brief period in between two gilded ages right it's like well yeah like weren't aren't we still <laughs> basically living in you know it's just like a weird gap yeah. in the whole story and then and it ends with um used cars <laughs> where it which is like you know seems a contra contra like to contradict what springsteen is saying about like well we never felt like we didn't have that much but that whole song is about how ashamed and and embarrassed he is to be mm-hmm. to have a like a father who's working class who like you know when he's at the car dealership and like the, the dealers are look can't stop looking at his hands like the hands of a working guy yeah and then they're like well if you could just like you know give us an like a uh, an advance on this you know, or if you could just like front us some of the money for this car and they're like, no, we can't do that. And so they have to drive out with like a shittier car than they want or something like that. And then, you know, Spring- Springsteen or the speaker of the song is just like, I wish we would just fucking, he would just gun the car and we would just drive out of here and like yeah. never have to see anyone again. Cause I'm so can't embarrassed and ashamed to be poor, you know? Yeah. So it, it's just like, it's like, it seems like that's only gotten worse so, yeah. for most people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's like a fundamental misunderstanding. It's like almost an intentional misunderstanding of what, where their perspective ends and begins. You know, like as if the 
the point we're at right now in American society is somehow like an, an either an anomaly or like where we finally hit uh, solid ground again or something. You know, like I don't know. It's like this weird like, yeah. I mean, can you believe we're not in between two gilded ages again? Or I don't know. It's like a weird. Well, I, I think the story is that like, well, things were going pretty good, especially when I was in office. But then. It turned out that people yeah, actually just that's true, thought yeah. the success was, you know, it, yeah, actually, and it was we all Trump. know what happened. Yeah, right. And it had nothing to do with anything that I did, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it has no relationship to like my, what my presidency represented or did not achieve yeah. that it promised or anything like that. You know, the other thing that I thought was really uh, absurd was he, he was saying. Uh, last year, me and Michelle uh, for her birthday, we rented out the right. top floor. No, it was for Christmas. It was for Christmas. Was it for Christmas? Yeah, uh, they rented out the top floor of uh, some restaurant in Hawaii that they had these huge views of the uh, the island. I don't know which island at all. But he was saying, and the, my favorite part of the evening was we talked about the really crappy apartments we used to stay in on like my grandparents' floor, and then you know we stayed at the Marriott, and then we stayed at this other place, and and then finally we were staying here at this huge hotel, and it's like his favorite part of that event. I thought it was her birthday. But I don't think so. Uh, his favorite part was just tracking his economic ascent, you know, like. Well, in fairness to what he's actually saying, I mean, like, and this is the thing. This is even worse than that, because if he if he had just said that, then it would be like, OK, well, mm-hmm. this is irredeemable. Like there's like, you know, how could he, you know, but what he's actually says is. But what we realized in that conversation is that it didn't really matter where we lived as long as we had each other, mm-hmm. as long as we had the sunset. Or, or whatever it was, which, you know, if you like, if you want to think about it as generously as possible, that that is true. And like, there is something that, you know, you can't buy about being a human being. And there are people who, no matter what their material circumstances are, can eke out a kind of modicum of joy and love and wholeness um, in the face of you know, not having enough to eat or not having stable housing and all that kind of stuff. The reality is that makes it so much more difficult, you know, but it is true that there are people with lots of material wealth who are very deeply unhappy. Sure. So, so that's, I think, but the problem is that like when it's these two particular guys telling that story, (laughs) I mean, it's like, okay, well, easy for you to say yeah from the vantage point of the top floor of this restaurant or whatever that's that's what i think sets it all in a a really strange light to say like we only ever needed each other you know that's that's all we really needed it's like all right you know that's really nice but like some people have gone now over a year without work and have only gotten uh, like a two thousand three thousand dollars i guess i don't know some random amounts of money that's been arbitrarily handed out at moments in time to make sure that things don't get too out of hand, you know? Right. But I'm just fundamentally, I'll always be less pissed off at Bruce Springsteen, who, what he became, you know, extremely wealthy doing was successfully, I think to to many fans, to many people who listen to, to his music, successfully giving voice to the kind of mundane disappointments of being an average American yeah, um, of not having enough. Um, and so if he, if he was playing that kind of music at the same time that he was 
you know, being an like a, an architect and an enabler of that same system, then I'd have a real problem with him. Exactly. But that's the thing is like Obama is not only someone who should know better, he's someone who apparently has known better and, and chose <laughs> instead or, or like e- even still to become the manager of that system. Yeah, and was in positions to have changed things for the better, you know. Right. And, and, and like and like look, like whether or not he actually would have been able to transform society, you know, like, like like that's too simple to think that like, you know, he alone could do that. But to not have any humility to say I fucked up, guys. Yeah. And but and which which like, you know, you know, why would he do that? Yeah. That that would ruin his bag and like discredit the whole system which is not what not what he wants to do but the fact is that whenever he comes back in to intervene it's to say hey protesters just go home right. hey uh nba you know players just go back to dribbling the fucking ball all right and like yeah. give up on like like that's always what he does he always calls in to say hey uh klobuchar and Buttigieg, drop out so that we can knife bernie sanders campaign mm-hmm. in the ribs that's what he that's what he actually does at the same time that he's like talking about you know singing amazing grace yeah um at at you know uh the funeral of the 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 um church shooting that's what the I've, the large amounts of ire it's like the cognitive dissonance you have to have to to do that to say i didn't really care for those wall street guys after you'd bailed them out and to say like and unions are part of what built this country you know by the way and as you like (laughs) are the guy that shut down like what could have been one of the most inspirational wildcat strikes and like one of the first in like major sports in general and like it's just like damn dude like i i don't know he's viewing himself with this lens of nostalgia but it doesn't really go back that far you know he was only president just you know like a week ago it seems like you know uh, and that's yeah. why it's so wild to hear him now contradicting the like actual decisions that he made. Right. Yeah, but yeah. and it's yeah. Go ahead. I think I found one thing from the podcast that I really like. Okay. Um, give me a sec. I'm just gonna go grab it really quick. What okay. do you have anything else to wrap this <laughs> You're up? Gonna grab it. Do you have anything else to wrap this up? Um. Any more thoughts? I don't know. I mean. I'm just, I, I guess you know the the New York the New Yorker article about it. I like uh, it, it's not. Very, I thought it was. I thought it was going to be longer than it was. It's very short, but the the whole thing of like lulling America, um, <laughs> it's very apt because uh, that's what it felt like. And that like we were t- we were mentioning in texts or whatever, like how exhausting it is to listen to that podcast because it is seductive and you just kind of want to be like oh yeah these these are just a couple of guys you know they just really mean well they just kind of love america um and then you have to remind yourself that you know oh god like you have to like shake your head and be like okay no 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 (laughs) these are lies this is like like they're omitting like you know the most important uh stuff that we need to actually understand uh, what the fuck happened and why like we're in, still in such a bad situation um but yeah no i i, I you've been not so subtly playing guitar in the background and that is something that we are going to do every episode this, now yeah, as we'll part of our rebrand fake leather jacket podcast this is 
I'm just gonna we're just gonna hang out, get into the shit, and I'm gonna noodle around. Yeah, we didn't say anything, but we're actually hanging out um, on your family's estate right now, and um, we're we're in a barn that's been converted into a studio loft, and outside um, we have a, a line of um, Audis. Um, and Ferraris, and there's, uh, beyond that, there are some rolling green hills and some wild horses, um, that are just kind of running free, that we live a, you know, your family's estate is actually a wild horse preserve, um, so this is, this is, this is what you can expect. Climb into my Subaru, and (laughs) baby, I just gun it, (laughs) and we get away from it all. I'm just going to drive and uh, I'm going to miss that 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 turn on the interstate. I'm just going to keep driving. You know. <laughs> I think that's uh <laughs> I think that's a good way to end it. Thanks for sticking with us if you have for this long. Uh more coming soon. And if you happen to know uh, how NFTs work, um <laughs> you can email us at uh please don't email us about that yeah. at gmail.com put something on craigslist and i'll find it yeah if, if you know anything about nfts and you want to let us know write it on a piece of paper um crumple it up and throw it in the fucking trash hell yeah hell yeah, yeah. all right <laughs>